Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Let's go ahead and dive in. Last week we talked about Mary. Uh, We're in our Christmas series, as most churches are, but we talked about Mary last week. And one of the things we talked about was what, what happens when God interrupts your plans. Um, and if your plans are not being interrupted and everything is going exactly the way you've always planned it, my question is, where is God in that photo? The next place we're going to go to um, is, is her betrothed uh, husband, Joseph. This is a weird topic for me, and I'm going to be honest with you because I've never preached on Joseph. Not Joseph who dreamed a lot of dreams and had the coat of many colors. Joseph, the stepdad of, of Jesus. And the, re- the, the, the reason why I'm having a hard time with this is because there's not a whole lot of information about Joseph. There's a lot of folklore about Joseph, but real, true, actual information, there's not a lot about. But we're going to dive into two passages today. They're very similar, but you'll see a little bit of nuances in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus was as follows... After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, you, to, take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from all of their sin. So this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, this is referencing Isaiah, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and took, him, took to him as his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, we thank you for this season. We thank you that as we go into this week, that God, you give me the words to say, to share the way that you want them done. God, I just thank you that you're going to give us uh, dreams and visions, and you're going to speak to us in all of our places, and all the good things we've done, all the bad things that we've done. God, you speak to us in all those seasons of life, that we aren't stuck to jumping through hoops, but God, you sent your son when the world was at its darkest, and we are so grateful for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Hmm. Joseph, in this story, and I love stories, you ever find somebody that can tell a great story, they can just, even a story you've heard a hundred times, you still want to hear it again, because the way they tell it, they just capture you, they wrap you in, and And in the story of the birth of Jesus, the greatest story that's ever told, uh, you've got key people. You've got Mary, you've got Gabriel, you've got Jesus. And and in the grand scheme of things, Joseph plays what we would call a supporting role. He's there. He's just not the main guy. He's, He's that guy that just is there in the background for the majority of the time. And can I tell you guys, just as I still have your attention, um, we are all called to play supporting roles. In, in theater and in, in movies, a supporting role is somebody that comes alongside the main character. Whether they speak or not, their presence is, is there. Um, sometimes 
uh, they provide guidance. Sometimes they may, may grant favors. Sometimes they offer a comedic relief. Sometimes they just walk through and not be anything being said. Um, if you've watched any crazy, like uh, when was The Walking Dead, that, that show that was big, every single zombie was a supporting role. And can I tell you, without the supporting role, it would just been a guy walking through Atlanta. Um, supporting roles are key things. Remember Rudy? And they, he makes that last sack, and everyone's chanting, Rudy, Rudy. And you have the, the, the music coming through, and everybody's just like losing their minds. Can I tell you, if there wasn't all the football players and all the crowd screaming Rudy, it would just been a short guy running around a football field by himself. I, I, I was recently watching, do you remember War of the Worlds with... Um, Oh, my goodness, what's his name? Uh, Tom Cruise, and the aliens were there. Do you remember that movie? Uh, and there's a scene, I was watching the other day, there's a scene where the aliens begin to, like, come up out of the ground. They're big machines that they planted for thousands or millions of years, whatever they said it was. And uh, they're at this church, and there's a pretty iconic scene because the earth starts to shake, and then you see these guys, everyone just, like, freeze, and they're looking at it, they think it's an earthquake, and then it starts to go up and go down. And then, like, buildings start to crumble, and you have these people with just mass hysteria running and screaming, losing their minds, can't figure out what's going on. And I'm watching that, knowing what I'm about to preach, and I see this guy in a black hat. He just runs across the back of the screen. I'm like, I'm going to call him Black Hat Guy. Without all of the supporting characters, it would have just been Tom Cruise running around. But the crazy part is, is that when I looked at it, I realized that I recognized the name of Black Hat Guy. I mean, he's in the credits. It's Black Hat Guy. Uh, but his real name is Channing Tatum. And the f crazy part is, he actually had speaking roles in that movie, and they cut all of his speaking roles out. So now all he's doing is just running in the background for two seconds. Now he's a mega superstar movie star, but at that time, he didn't go home and go, Mom, I made it. I'm in. I made the thing. This is about me. Every <laughs> Hot dog. I, I, I'm in, and I love it. I, I, I love to watch these, like, behind the, behind the actors' the interviews and stuff, and I'm watching this one with Denzel, and Denzel's one of his very first movies was uh, with uh, Morgan Freeman, and so Denzel read the script as if Denzel was the main character. And so he's like, well, I had some ideas. He's sitting down with Morgan Freeman. I had some ideas for my scene that I could go in. There's supposed to be a sword fight. And he's saying, and I could say this, and I could do that, and I could jump off the wall, and I could do all this. And Morgan goes, and with his deep, deep voice, we will go click, we will go clack, I stab you, and you die quickly. <laughs> and he said, and it was in that moment I realized, this isn't my moment. Can I tell you, this story wasn't Joseph's moment. But without Joseph, we wouldn't have the story. Joseph's life is a unique life. Uh, you know, we have, it seems to me when I go through different nativity scenes, we have two extremes. We have a really, really, really old Joseph holding a teenage Mary, or we have two teenagers trying to figure out how to be parents. Um, the truth is, is that we don't know the exact age of Joseph. We truly don't. But what's crazy is that when we use the word man, you can see it here in Matthew 1 and then again in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now on the sixth month, Gabriel was sent to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin to betrothed of, to a man whose name was Joseph. That word man, anar, references a specific type of man. Because in, in the Greek language, they didn't have a man. They had ten different words for men. And each word meant an age range. And according to this one, 
we can kind of guesstimate Joseph's age range. We know this because a couple of verses earlier, we see Ezekiel, Ezekiel, we see Zechariah going, how can this be? For I am a man of old age. It's a different word, man. And that word means 50 and older. This word used for man and are for Joseph means 30 to 49. We know that that's the ballpark age for Joseph at that time. Can I tell you that kind of makes sense though? Because if he's the father of Jesus between 40, you know, 30 and 49, and then Jesus dies on the cross roughly at 33 and a half, 34 years old, that would put Joseph in his late 60s or 70s. And at that time frame, we also know that the median age, according to the BBC, was 66. So Joseph would have been dead. That makes a lot of sense. When Jesus is standing on the, well, standing on the cross, when he's standing on the cross, when he's nailed to the cross and he looks at John, the beloved, and says, behold your mother, why didn't he say, Hey, Dad, take care of Mom. Because he wasn't there. He was gone. At the wedding of Cana, Jesus shows up at the very beginning of his ministry. His mom is there in a panic because of wine. She doesn't look at Joseph and go, Bro, go get some more wine. She goes to Jesus and says, Do something. Why? Because Jesus at that season would have been the head of the house because Dad was gone. We're looking at all of these things in this season of life going, Joseph's role was pretty short. But he took it very seriously. I love this because in our lives, we have to get to a place where our life, that we are not the center of our own universe. Joseph was a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, but he was no less important. He's mentioned in the Bible, but he is never quoted in the Bible. And the great Christmas hymns that we sing, he's never mentioned or even sung about for the, for the big hymns at all. I mean, they mention Mary, they mention a baby, they mention shepherds, they mention animals. They mention the wise men, they mention stars. No one sings about Joseph. And even though he's not sung about, and even though he's not talked about, and even though he's not the main character, he had one of the most important jobs of all. And here's the kicker. He had the chance to walk away, and if he would have, he would have changed the story. See, by walking away from Mary and not exposing her, even if he would have exposed her, God would have figured a way out. He had already picked Mary. Mary said yes. Joseph could have said no, and the angel Gabriel would have woken up Mary in the middle of the night and said, you must go because they will stone you tomorrow. But he did. Joseph's role at that moment from here on forward is this. I just had a dream from an angel telling me what my role is in this whole story. And my role is this. I'm called to provide and to protect this woman and her baby. That's his role. That's an honorable role. Men, you have very important roles. And whether you are the highlight or you've made fun of, and unfortunately in today's society and with technology and with everything else that we have with media, men are the, the, the stupid idiots that look around through the house if they're there half the time. And, you know, I want you to understand, you may not have the most outgoing personality. You may not be the manager of, of, of the job or the supervisor of your department. You may, not, you may just clock in and clock out and provide for your family. But men, let me, hear, let me tell you this. 
That is one of the most important and honorable roles you could ever have. Leading your house from behind the scenes. EJ agrees with me. In fact, the Bible says that a man who does not provide for his family is worse than the unbeliever. You're honored. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for leading your family. You may not be over the top and you may not grab a microphone. You may not do all these things. But I watch some of the quiet men, the quiet giants. They'll raise their hands. Their kids look at them. And they raise their hands like, I'm going to do as dad does. I'm going to follow in your lead. In fact, when Jesus gets a little bit older, they say, is this not Jesus, the, the carpenter's son? In other words, he was trained in a profession. And part of Joseph's role was, I don't know when this button's going to be pushed, but I'm going to provide for you as long as I can. But in the stead that I'm not here, you're going to have a valuable skill for the rest of your life. Think about that. Joseph's role was to prepare Jesus even after Joseph was gone. Guys, that's part of our role is, what are your kids going to be like after they leave your house? Although, when they're in my house, they're going to do what I say. Are they learning how to be young men and young women of God, or are they just obeying your rules because they're afraid of punishment? Part of being a great dad like Joseph is preparing your kids for the moment you're no longer around. That's a freebie. In other words, this is not about you. This goes to men and women alike. It's not about me. Uh, I was just playing the piano a second ago, and what's great is that we have our, it's called in-ear system. So I put a, a, a headset in my ear, and from there, on my phone, I have the ability to control all my sounds. I've got a, a, a button for EJ, got a button for Steve, I've got one for bass, for each individual cymbal and snare, got one for guitars, I've got one for you because I can hear the audience. Like I have all of these, these options that go directly into my ear, and I go, whew, mom is not singing good, turn the audience down. No, um, I, I have the option to turn up or to turn down who I want, right? So this morning, I had my, my headset exactly the way that I wanted, exactly the way that I thought it sounded good. Then I forgot that there is a new element from rehearsal to playing, and that element is you. And I forgot that that changes the volume. I forgot that that changes the, the everything. It changes the mood. It changes everything. And I didn't adjust. So for somehow or another, in my ears, the moment Amy started singing wonderfully, I couldn't hear her at all. You know what I did hear? I heard me. Not my voice. Good Lord. I heard my piano very, very loudly in my ears. But EJ wasn't singing, so I didn't hear her. Steve wasn't singing. I didn't hear him. I forgot to adjust Amy's voice. So now all I have in my ears is my little bubble. And I realized, based on how I could feel the music going, something wasn't right. And that something was me. But I quickly took out my ears so that I no longer had me at the center between my ears, but I could now easily hear where Amy was and flow with where she was. And this is the problem with our society, is that we have believed this idea that I am the center of my own universe and everything should be geared around me. The number one photo taken in the world is a selfie. Your camera is designed for you to take photos of yourself. Every single app that you take or open up is geared specifically for your engagement and your engagement alone. You ever open an app and it goes, give your phone to a friend? No. It's about you. And the experience is supposed to be customized 
to your preferences. How loud do you want the music to be? How quiet do you want the, the talking to be? At what level do you want to change this? How difficult do you want this game to be? It's about you and you alone. And what's happening is that we got ourselves to believe that if we are not the center of our story, something is wrong. We have believed these lies that supportive roles are weak roles, and we don't want weak roles. And there's an epidemic with our society today where everybody believes that they are supposed to be the center, and they've believed this issue. And one of the number one issues that psychiatrists are dealing with today is helping people realize it's not about you. That is what they're dealing with every single day. It's helping people understand you've believed a lie that this is about you. That's a hard pill for our generation to swallow. It's a hard pill for any of us to go, what do you mean? Because that's what church is built around. Church is now built around your experience. Is it the song you like? Is it the volume you like? Is it the style you like? Is he funny enough? Is he serious enough? Did he talk really low and get you gained into his messages? Or was he really loud and boisterous? Did he, what kind of clothes do they wear? Do you have a cool-looking pastor? Can I tell you, you're never going to have a cool pastor. <laughs> just to be honest with you. This is just, I don't know what I am. Uh, but my, my job is not to be cool. My job is not to be funny. My job is not to entertain anybody, but my job is to listen to God's word and go, what is it that you want us to share in this moment? And then you take it from there. Joseph understood that. That the purpose of his life is far greater than his own personal fulfillment. It changed his story too. Hmm. Rick Warren believed began his book, Purpose Driven Life, with this big idea that it's not about you. In, in our society, individuality thrives. And we're born and bred to believe this inherent lie that by our own rights, that we're supposed to make our own world, we're supposed to make our own dreams, we're supposed to make our own religion, we're supposed to make, it's, it's my thoughts, it's my plans, it's my this, it's my that, it's, it's, it's me. I did it my way. <laughs> And individuality has been a, an issue nationally. What do you mean, I have to work? Can I just, like, stay home and get paid? Not because I have a big issue. Not because I have a legitimate problem in my life and a physical disability or whatever it may be. It's just because being on TikTok sounds much better. Do you know right now, and this is not a political jab at anybody, but I'm just playing it out there for a second. Right now, they're in legislation in, in San Francisco that if you decide to be transgender, they're going to pay you $1,200 a month to change for the rest of your life. Not have a job. There's no work ethic. It's just your individuality and the struggle that you're going through should be compensated for the rest of your life. This is, a, this is the world we're living into. I'm going to make a decision, and you should pay for it. Have you ever Googled diets? <laughs> no comment. Did you know that there's like a diet for whatever? There's like an all meat diet. There's an all sugar diet. There's like you can do whatever it is. Like if you want a diet that's customized exactly for your body type and who you are, 
Can I tell you guys the big secrets here? Burn more calories than you consume. You can give me $19.99 a month. But this diet is customized to my blood type. Come on, y'all. Just eat less than you... It's just... Okay. Um, and I get... I have a glandular problem. I understand all those issues, and I'm talking the vast majority of us. McDonald's. Okay. Um, I'm speaking to myself right now. I'm like, Pete, come on, try a salad. Um, y'all, I went to Chick-fil-A yesterday. The original in Atlanta. It's called the Dwarf House. Sorry if anybody's offended by that. But it's literally called the Dwarf House. Uh, and they sell burgers. Oh, I had Brussels sprouts. They had, mm-hmm. That was amazing. Anyways, <laughs> as I'm going, I'm going to be fasting, shoving up. But it was just Chick-fil-A, bur- it was cow at Chick-fil-A. You, ha- you can't pass that up. Anyways. Um, one of my favorite places to go eat, as we're on this topic, is a buffet. I, I love buffets. I love a good Chinese buffet. I went last week with the horns. It was delicious, and I will probably go back today. I, I love Chinese buffets. Does, do you know why I love them so much? Not just that I can eat all I want, but there's something for everyone. Like, everything. If you want sushi, there's sushi there. If you want a hibachi, there's hibachi there. If you want fried chicken, there's fried chicken there. They have watermelon. Like, they, they have everything you could possibly want right there at my fingertips. And you know what? I don't like it all. But there's something for everyone. And I feel like this is what we've believed, that, that church is supposed to be the Chinese buffet of it all. That I'm supposed to provide something that everyone can enjoy at all given times, instead of laying out and going, this is exactly what God said how to do it. And the problem is that our society is built this way. Well, this job just didn't meet my emotional needs. What emotional? You mean getting paid? Like, I don't understand what we're talking about right now. I'm going to get in so much hate mail. You can send all my hate mail to marsha.cova at nlmillbrook.com. That's the big part of Joseph's story is that he knows he's not the center of his story, of this story, and he's okay with that. It's not just Joseph. Her is mentioned twice in the entire Bible, and regardless of his role, if it wasn't for him, he wouldn't have been able to hold up Moses' arms. And they would have lost a very pivotal battle. Jethro, his father-in-law, is not quoted very much. But if it wasn't for Jethro, Moses would still be sitting there trying to disseminate all the information to over two million people. Think about that as a judge. And Jethro goes, this is not a good thing. How about Jabez? He's not a big role. If it wasn't for Jabez, we we would totally have an issue in the lineage of Jesus. And Jehoshaphat, you can probably not really pay too much attention to him, but if it wasn't for him and his service to the king, uh, to God, and playing a, a supportive role, Israel would have maintained their, their wickedness throughout that season. We love this idea of the lone soldier taking on an enemy. Top gun, flying through, 007, just blasting his way through. But did you know that 90% of our army is not a combat force? 10% engagement on the battle. 10% of our army engages on the battle. 90% support those 10%. 
Yet we think that this whole thing, that we are the ones that are the Navy SEALs of the world, and it's the Truman Show concept where everything's about me and I'm the center of the movie always. There's so much emphasis in our culture right now on self-improvement, self-expression, self-esteem, self-care. Selfies. These aren't bad things necessarily. As long as you know that as you are dealing with yourself, you are putting yourself in service to others. I need to make sure that my mental health is right. Not so that everyone can serve me, but I can be a difference maker in everyone else's life. I need to make sure that I'm taking care of my body. Not so that everybody can ooh in all of my six packs, which I will never have, but that, that I can have a healthy and long life in service to my king. Yes. Yes. And in the opinion piece, I'm going to read this, uh, entitled, It's Not About You. Columnist David Brooks discusses the problem and says that our culture needs to give better advice to young people today. He notes that when you listen to graduation speeches, you hear this familiar, follow your passions, chart your own course, march to the beat of your own drum, follow your own dreams, find yourself. And this for our generation is a lot of pressure, considering for the vast majority of their life, they've been told when to wake up, when to go to school, what class to take, and when to take it. Now that you graduate, figure it out yourself. He argues most successful people in life don't, hear me about, most successful people in life don't look inside and plan a life. They look outside and find a problem which summons the calling of their life. A relative suffers from Alzheimer's and a loved one feels deeply called to help find a cure for this disease. A person works under a miserable boss and must develop management skills in the department so that he can serve as he moves up. Most people don't find, most people don't form self and then lead a life, they are called to go against a problem, and the self that God created them is constructed by following said calling. As Christians, our role is not to build a world around me. You are an answer to the problem. Moses would be a failure today. Noah would be a nut building a boat. Abraham would be homeless, just wandering around like a hippie. Each individual person was sent to this earth because there was a problem at hand. And in your world and in my world where we are today, I am not the king of the universe. I may be an answer to somebody else's problem, though. It sounds intense, and it is. It sounds demanding, and it is. But can I tell you, it's also very liberating because now I don't have to find who I am. It's also liberating because I don't have to do this big, huge, my, everything that I need to be all the time. What is going on in my world? Am I constructing the world around my dreams, my hopes, and my plans? No. Because now I'm walking around going, if there's a problem, well, I almost went vanilla ice. Yo, I'll solve it. <laughs> I, oh, see, Candace? Yeah. Now it's in my head. I can't stop it. You know, God's role in this earth for you and for me is to bring about shalom everywhere we go. Your role is to bring peace to every problem that arises. I think we're missing this whole idea that we are called and summoned by problems, not called and summoned by my dreams. I don't know where, logically, if we can just for a second, God goes, I'm going to send you to the world, Elaine, 
to fulfill your dreams. That doesn't even make sense. You're in heaven? Like, just stay there. Do what you, I mean, like, seriously, no. But he would go, there is a problem. My answer is Elaine. Joseph served a role. He guided, he protected. And, and in my studies, I was looking for some real cool, deep one-liners, but I, I did find something that I thought, as a nerd, I loved a lot. And that was this. You know, since Joseph is anywhere between 30 and 50, and he went through school, he understood a lot. He knew the stories of the Old Testament. He knew the kings. He knew the priests. He knew Abraham. He knew Isaac. He knew Jacob. He knew all of those things. And what's one of the coolest parts for me is that if it wasn't for Joseph, there would have never had to have been a trek to Bethlehem. But it was where he was born. And in that march from Nazareth to Bethlehem, they come across where they would always camp out about seven miles north of Jerusalem in a place called Luz. Modern day Bethel. Crazy part, because I can picture somebody, and I can tell you why, because as somebody in that age range that is Joseph, we tell dad jokes, and I remember when jokes. I, I, I walk through, I remember when that, before that McDonald's was there, I remember when Hardee's used to be a Jack's. Like, I were going through all of those things. And I would imagine that if Joseph is now taking his teenage wife down all the way to Bethel, and she's very, very pregnant, one of the big things, after you can figure this out, dads, when you have a wife that is eight-ish, nine-ish months pregnant, there's one of the greatest things you can do is do your best to distract them from the ginormous pain in their life. Crazy part is, is that as they're walking and where they would camp, there's a crossroads right there, and in that crossroads where they would camp, three huge events took place. And call it irony all you want, but I think it's funny because as Joseph is walking through, dealing with Mary, who is pregnant, mind you, with God, he camps at a site and goes, huh, fun fact, this location is where that baby wrestled with Jacob. Fun fact, over there, uh, Abraham went to go kill his son, and God provided a ram. But over there, we had a Barry Leah. Over, he's walking through all of these moments that took place in that moment and having a realization that I am now protecting the one that was been in all these moments before I ever was. I'm walking hand in hand with the one who was here thousands of years before me. I'm walking a path with somebody who already knows these stories because he lived those stories. And when it comes to having an idea of a supportive role, here's the thing. Your role of being a problem solver is understanding that God has been before you and he is currently with you. And having a supportive role in his story is this. It's not about me, God. It's about you. So help me take away my self-centered, self-righteous, self-involved goggles tear them apart and go, there's a problem in this earth and I'm here to help. Because here's what happens. If it's about me and I see somebody who doesn't meet my qualifications, if I see somebody who doesn't meet my standards, then your filth is going to get on me and I must separate you for my destiny's sake. How many messages like that have we heard? Cut out the dead weight. 
How about you be an answer to people? How about my life is called to be a, a drink offering before the Lord, to be poured out however he wants it? My calling in life is not to build an empire unto myself, but to help build a brick unto his. I'm just here to lay a stone at the gate of heaven. Not to build a moat around my life, to protect myself from peons and dirty people. It's interesting, and I had this conversation a couple of days ago, that, and I don't know why this epiphany hit me like it did, but like when it's me and I make a mistake, I pray for mercy, but when it's you, I pray for judgment. And, and we do that because we are the center of our worlds. And I want you to understand that I just had a bad moment, but for you, Elaine, whew, you are a bad moment. And that's how we treat every single person that we come in contact with. Will they or will they not help me get to where I need to be? What a jerk. Hi, my name's Pete, and I've been a jerk. And that's not who God's called us to do. I also find it interesting with Joseph's age. Not only did he tell great dad jokes, not only was he called to guide and protect. Obviously, I mean, the, a lot of the Catholic traditions have him in his late 60s, but I have a hard time believing that a man in his late 60s is going to walk all the way down to Bethlehem and then walk all the way to Egypt and then come back in and then turn around and go, I lost my son, and then go back and get him again. Like, I don't see him going well with that, but I can see somebody my way doing that, um, going through all of those things. But here's the crazy part. If Joseph potentially was 19, 18 years old, falling in love with this girl, and I tell you this with all respect, being a part of a private school, having teenagers around my life all day. When y'all break up, you're messy. So picture an 18-year-old guy engaged to be married, and his fiance is pregnant, and it ain't his. He's going to be like, it's going to be okay. I'll, I'll put you away quietly. No. No. Video camera, Instagram live, blasting her at the moment. But somebody in their 40s go, Okay, we've all made mistakes, and I'm not going to ruin your life and your family's life. Mind you, it's anywhere from 300 to 1,000 people in this town. Everybody's going to find out pretty quick. I don't have to be that guy. So in other words, there was maturity with Joseph. And I love the fact that as a righteous man, he wasn't going to embarrass her. That's what Matthew 1 says. A supportive role in our life isn't called to embarrass people and their mistakes or problems or issues. The supportive role was to lift them up and help them through the problems. In this season, you're going to see a lot of people, and you're going to have family time, and you're going to see a lot of mess. Okay, you know what? It's not going to be easy. Can I tell you this as a supportive role? There's a fine line between helping be an answer to a problem and giving problems full access to your life. Use judgment and wisdom. If somebody is starving and they have a track record of stealing, give them a meal, not your pin code. Does that make sense? Are we understanding... Well, Pastor P said, let them in and ruin my life. Now, I never said that. But I also did say I have to understand where people are, and I'm here to help. Sometimes helping people is having hard conversations that they don't like to have. Be like Joseph this season. 
Understand the world is not about you. It's liberating. Hmm. Well, God, we just thank you as we wrap this up today that you've called each and every one of us for greatness. Not greatness to be famous, but greatness to serve into a great kingdom. Greatness to lead and love people exactly where they are for exactly who they are, and that is sons and daughters of the Most High God. God, I just thank you for value. Not in what I do, but who you have called each and every one of us to be. Lord, we are so grateful for this season. We are so grateful for that you give. We are so grateful that you served us. And we're so grateful that you gave us examples like Joseph, Jehoshaphat, for her, for uh, all the all Jethro and, and anybody that has given a supporter role. And God, as we support the men and women around us, God, let us be a light into a very dark place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.